The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Hi, this is Harry Margolis. Welcome to the Ask Harry Podcast. In this episode, I continued my discussion with Brian Mahoney, attorney in Canton, Massachusetts, about protecting your pet through the use of pet trusts. Brian, uh, glad to have you back. This is Brian Mahoney, practices law in Canton, Massachusetts. And uh, in our last uh, podcast, we talked about a lot of the whys and hows of pet trusts. So, uh, for, for most people, uh, pets are a part of their family and they need the same consideration in their state planning as they, as they uh, provide for their spouses and children and, and grandchildren, but a lot of people don't do that. And uh, you were t- telling me that uh, one of the big issues with um, pet trusts is um, making sure you describe the animals. There's no confusion there. Yeah, it's a, it's a good idea. And today, since everybody has a cell phone too, I mean, you can just take a picture. Uh, that's what I, I would recommend. And you'd want to have the animal's name, the breed, approximate weight, um, you know, attach a photo to the trust where they, uh, in, you know, put all the information right in the trust too. Who's their vet? Who's the dog walker right now? Who's the, um, you know, what types of medication? I, I'd include, a, a, and, I, and I have, a big paragraph telling everything about the animal right there as an introductory just to show that this is a real trust, this is a real thing. A lot of thought has been put into it, and it makes it harder for someone to challenge something like that and also makes it harder if it was challenged for a judge to say, no, this, this is unreasonable mm-hmm. because, you know, the more you put into it, the better it will look and sound and help. So um, that makes me think of special needs trusts because we often do special needs trusts for families who have children with special needs. And, um, and we often make the trust pretty general um, and give the trustee discretion, but then we advise the clients to supplement that with a letter of intent that talks about a lot of things you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So um, where, where is the child uh, going to school? Uh, what, what are their likes and dislikes? What is the parent's hopes for the child? Um, where, where would they want them to live? And uh, I wonder if that would make sense um, for pets, for pet owners as well, to do a letter of intent. Yeah, and I think I think in a, in a pet trust too, you know, where sometimes, for instance, in Massachusetts, they can place a limit on how much is in there. If, it, if a judge determined it was unreasonable, they could actually set it aside. So to make the trust reasonable, to make it a well-drafted trust, you would want to put a lot of information into that trust as to why you're setting this money aside. You could put in, um, you know, let's say the animal costs five uh, eats five dollars worth of food a day, thirty-five bucks a week. You're looking at a buck thirty, buck forty a month times twelve. Mm-hmm. You know, it adds up. Dog groomer. Let's say they go. I don't know. Every three months, and it's fifty dollars. I, you know, that's more money. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say you need to have someone walk the dog. Let's say you're a senior in a wheelchair. You can't walk the dog, but someone else has. That could be thirty dollars a day. You know, seven days a week. There's two hundred bucks. There's ten grand a year. Mm-hmm. Say the animal's going to live for another five years. There's fifty thousand dollars. So you're showing a trial judge uh, what this money can be needed for. Let's say the vet. You go once a year, and it's four hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, five years. There's there's two grand. 
Um, you know, all of these things. Let's say maybe once a year the, the, the pet has to go away for the weekend while the trustee or the, the custodian goes on vacation, and that's $300 mm-hmm. times five years. There's $1,500. Mm-hmm. I think anything and everything. But also it sounds like it provides guidance for the trustee and the caretaker about what you want. Oh, absolutely. It's, it, it, first and foremost, it's to make the trust to make sense. And going through all of these um, calculations and all of these needs, uh, and putting it on paper also alerts the client as to how much it will cost and maybe how much they want to put in to this mm-hmm. trust as well and why. Then it's a good guideline for the trustee and or the custodian. Then, of course, if anyone challenges it, it's a well-reasoned, well-drafted document. So it works on, on, on every, uh, every level, you know, transportation, um, you know, all these costs that go into it, buying food, uh, you probably, you, you know, if someone else is buying the food, you know, have to, someone has to go to the store and get it, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Someone has to pay for gas and someone has to take the time. So you have to, you know, consider everything about it. Uh, so, so one of the toughest issues, I think, for, all, for pet owners is often end-of-life decisions. And you mentioned uh, in the previous podcast that your daughter's uh, dog died over the weekend. And... The um, we don't have euthanasia for um, for for people, at least not in uh, in the for human beings, not at least not in Massachusetts at this point. Right. But um, people do quote unquote put down their their pets at yes. some some stage, and um, and we and I think you get into some of the same issues, especially with the cost of medical care about is it worth the cost and how do you make this decision and is the ch- is the is the I was about to say child is the pet um, enjoying life and are they uh, are are they suffering and uh, of course those are really tough decisions for you if if you're the pet owner yourself and I guess how do you um, do you put things in the trust or in a letter of intent for trustees and caregivers on those issues yeah something like that um uh, you know, you'd want to put in the trust that you're also putting some money in there for emergency medical care. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that makes sense. I think um, the thought process as to what goes into making a decision is best left with a letter of intent for certain. Mm-hmm. So, let, I don't know, let, let's say you have someone on a fixed income. They're in their late 80s. They don't have money. They maybe, let's say they have like six grand in the bank. and. And the vet says this is going to cost $3,500 to try and save your dog. Uh, and you really want to do anything you can to save the dog, but the vet's not certain it's going to work. And then maybe the animal won't be able to go outside anymore, and, and you can't really take care of them. And maybe you break your heart, but you couldn't spend that $3,500. Or maybe you don't have it. Or maybe you think, okay, yeah, I could help with this one, but then I wouldn't have any more money to pay for their food. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to work. And um, so, yeah, these are all the considerations that you definitely need to tell the trustee about and, 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 and get them on the same page with your thought process, kind of like in a healthcare proxy for a human being. Mm-hmm. Would you want a DNR or would you want them to use every effort, no matter what happened, to keep you alive one more, one more day for one more Red Sox game or something mm-hmm. like that? And so I think for the dog, it's kind of the same thing or whatever kind of pet it is. Yeah. Very important. Tough care. Very helpful. Tough issues. And then there's the sure. issue after the pet has died is uh, what happens to the remains? Do you... Do you are they just disposed of? Do, are they cremated? Do they uh, should they go to someone or someplace? 
Uh, is that something that you provide for in the trust? Sure. You want to you include that in uh, an, an, another one of the factors and also saying we've set aside this amount of money in the trust as well, all to make it reasonable, all to make it well thought out and try to cover all, all of the contingencies that uh, that you can. And then you want to put in maybe an inflation ride or two and say, this is why we left 100000 It seems extreme. Mm-hmm. Maybe at first blush to a layperson, especially maybe someone that doesn't like animals, there was a, a, but when you go through the whole thing, let's say they had a 10-year life expectancy, it could easily get to mm-hmm. be, you know, up in the five figures, no problem. Could yeah. it get to 100 grand? Uh, it could. Mm-hmm. It really could. And as far as disposition, sure. Cremation, you know, burial, what do you want to do, you know, when the time comes, that sort of thing. Yeah, very important. So I have a question, and I may be um, out of left field here, so I don't know if there's an answer, but... Um, unlike people, uh, pets are owned by by somebody else. So when you um, do, you also actually in your will give the pet to somebody, the caretaker, as the owner and the trustee. Uh, maybe as we discussed in the last podcast, might be someone else. But if the caretaker is the owner, then what happens when they're say the trustee finds they're not doing such a great job? Can they make any changes? Yeah, in ownership. What what I do is um, I, I I transfer the pet into the trust. Uh huh. And I don't know if that would work. Uh-huh. So we also leave it in the will. Uh huh. <laughs> I do both. So for instance, let's say you had a bank account. You you would you could. Uh, name the bank account in the name of the trust. Can't do that with a dog. Mm-hmm. Or you could put a beneficiary clause in the bank account. So if you died, it goes into the trust. Or the trust could get, uh, or the bank account could get into your trust through your will. And the will says, I leave all my bank accounts to Harry. Mm-hmm. And then it would go into probate, and the will would pass the um, bank accounts to you. So I, I also put in the um, will that the pet goes into the trust mm-hmm. and will okay. be under the care of the trustee to make that certain. And then the trustee might be the day-to-day person um, that cares for the dog, or it might not. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, we discussed this too in the last podcast, where maybe the trustee is more of a general contractor and farming out the living arrangements, the dog walker, mm-hmm. things like that. But that would solve that issue that I was talking about, because mm-hmm. if the if the tr- if the trust actually owns the pet, but uh, you say your your son is taking care of it, and the trustee finds out that the son is really doing a pretty lousy job of taking care of it, then the trustee could move move the pet to somebody else. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think in the trust, you'd want to, you know, um, like sometimes I'll get a, a client in and I want to put in my trust that Joe, uh, Joe money has to be the investment advisor. And I do my best to talk them out of that. Uh, cause I don't think you should name people because things change. And so let's say the son is a near do well and mom thought he was great for the dog and he's a loser. He's mm-hmm. mean or whatever. Okay. But let's say he's the nicest kid in the world, and then he got sick, yeah, or he became right. disabled, mm-hmm. or now he's uh, being deployed overseas. He's in the military, or mm-hmm. he moves to California to get married and start a new career out there. So you want to give the trustee flexibility to be able to hire who they want to, and mm-hmm. not be tied into one person for sure. Yeah. So sounds very important to to do this. Um, is there anything else we should uh, add in terms of what uh, should we should think about in, in creating the trust? Well, I, I think it just has to be a well-thought-out process, and I think if someone cares em- enough about the pet, um, they should understand that you should go to a lawyer that knows about trusts and knows about pet trusts and that does it for a living. 
you know, don't go to someone that does drunk driving, divorce, and real estate and immigration and wills and trusts. You want to go to a specialist first and foremost. And uh, if you, you know, and you get what you pay for typically. If you hire an expert, maybe it'll cost a little more, but you're going to get a good job and have it done the right way. So that's my first um, caveat. Hire the right lawyer. Hire someone knows about these types of things that will put in the effort. And then don't be afraid to think about all of these things. And then you might decide, um, you know, that, all right, I really need to think of all these things, you know, and I send a master list out to clients to complete. And for pet trust, we have all of these factors we've talked about, um, you know, to get them to think about doing all of these estimates for, you know, grooming, dog walking, food, uh, end of life treatment, uh, emergency surgical care once a year at the shelter when, you know, someone goes on vacation, all of these things. And I think what I've seen is, is the people go, wow, <laughs> I really put a lot of work in for my pet. And, and you just have to reassure them and say, if you love your pet and you want to help them out with a trust, the only way to do it is the right way and to be comprehensive. Good. Thank you very much, Brian. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, I think this will be very important information for any pet owner. And if you'd like more information, you can contact Brian at www.attty, for attorney, A-T-T-Y, brianmahoney.com. Thank you, Harry. Thank you for listening to the Ask Harry podcast. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends and colleagues. If you have questions about estate planning, you can find answers at askharry.info. And if you don't find your answer there, you can post a question and I will respond to it. You can also subscribe and listen to future episodes on iTunes.